So this embodied, this endeavor of embodied faith is to say, okay, I, I have to re- I have to understand what's hitting my body, but I have to understand that there are en- my spiritual body, my emotional body, and my um, and my intellectual body are all coming into connection with what I'm feeling in the moment. That's the embodied faith because I, I appreciate when you were uh, when you were saying. Um, you know, I have to pay attention to what my body is feeling and sensing. There's such an importance to that. And the next step is to say, what also am I bringing? Is it real? Like, is what I'm feeling in my body real? Because it's the most tangible thing that we can experience is what's in our body. So oftentimes when we feel something in our body, I would say that we have to make sure that we that we understand that all the facets of ourselves are actually coming into the moment of our physicality. friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 22. to the words that hit your body before your mind. Whether positive or negative, they've triggered you for a reason that deserves to be unpacked. The body stores what the mind refuses to process. Hey guys, welcome back to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad to have you join me for today's topic. We're talking about embodiment, embodied faith, embodied healing, the bodily response, right? The body is something that can be so easily overlooked. It's like the car, right? It's like the car that we don't take care of where we're just using it to get us from point A to B, but we're not refilling it with oil. We're not listening out for the the signs and the lights and the signals that are going off that are telling us, hey, it needs some maintenance and it's trying to send a message here. And some of us treat our bodies this way, right? We treat our bodies like vehicles that are just chugging along to get us where we need to go. But amidst the chugging, right, amidst the journey, amidst the drive as we're going through life, our body is sending us a number of messages. Messages about our fears, messages about our insecurities, about our convictions. And it hits us in different ways, whether it's, you know, our body's clenching up, right? And it's at a heightened state. Or we feel just that ever so slight shift in our spirit after something has been said or spoken or we've heard something that doesn't align with our convictions. Or something in our environment has triggered our internal alarms, right? And our heart is racing and quickening and our stomach is dropping. All of these can be read as messages. It's up to us to take the time to pause and listen and gain some introspection in looking deeper into what is my body telling me about my current circumstance or about myself or what I'm believing about this situation. Today's episode is all about learning the practice of turning down the volume of all of the distractions and the noise that's going on in the world and environment around you and learning how to tune into the signals that your body is giving you because they're important and they're there for a reason and God gave us these feedback systems built in to our bodies for a reason. And who better to talk about this with than my dear, dear friend, Brooke 
Spoon. Brooke is a believer and the founder and CEO of Holyoga Global, which spans over 104 countries. She's an author of two successful books, and her heart is to create and develop synergy within dynamic teams to better serve communities worldwide. Now, what I really, really love about Brooke is she is so great at interweaving uh, the mind-body-soul connection and what that looks like for an embodied healing uh, from a faith-based perspective that is also biblically grounded. Uh, And so I think you'll really enjoy and gain some insight and perspective from this conversation that maybe you just haven't thought of in this way when it comes to letting the spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes and how this holistic perspective really does play an integrative role when it comes to our mental health. So here's my conversation with Brooke Boone on the messages our bodies send us. All right, so Brooke, how are you doing today? I am so great. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that we can have an extension of our conversations on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we get lost in them, don't we? We, we have do. a good time with those. So yes, thank you. <laughs> you're, you're definitely um, one of those friends that is just like that I get to do the deep work with, and mm. that's what I appreciate about you in my life. Um, and. I'm so glad that we get to open up some of the things that we've been talking about even over this past week here mm-hmm. um, as we kind of talk about the embodiment of the spirit, the mind, and how that's all interconnected. But yes, yeah, but before we get there, for those who, who don't know you, like I do, <laughs> um, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself leading up to the work that you're doing today? Yeah. Um... Gosh, so, you know, I was born and raised Jewish, so I have like a kind of a myriad of understanding of faith. And so I came to my practice of yoga sort of seeking a deeper connection to spirituality and um, kind of, un- I've, I didn't fall into the Lord, but the Lord came and got me, uh, responded in a way. And it just, you know, probably 20 years ago now. Um, and I've just uh, really endeavored to see, um, wellness in my life. I, I, grew, I mean, like everyone, right? We're all, we all fall short of the glory of God. And so we all have our own stories and our own things. And I just sort of made it my business to understand, um, you know, not just my fragmentation or my shortcomings, but how the promise of being renewed in all the facets of my being everywhere I was broken, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I just started to endeavor and I just um, have been on this journey of of sort of certainly self-discovery, but also there's a human aspect to the self that is not unique to me, you know? And so um, just sort of got after understanding, um, you know, reconciliation in all these different places. And here we find ourselves 20 years later doing the work I'm doing and with the insight that I have simply because I, you know, you can't teach what you don't know. Um, And so I've done the work myself. And so I'm here just to share what I what I know to be true about the struggle, but also the victory. I love that. And that's one thing that I love about you is that you are so real. You're so down to earth. <laughs> like you're the friend that keeps it real, but also yeah. <laughs> brings in the faith inspiration and the hope and um, the redemption. And um, I know you've been through a lot and it's so beautiful to see how God has worked all that into your life today. Um 
And so, I, and I wanted to pull out one thing you said, because you've said this to me before in our conversations, as we've talked about um, the mind-body-soul connection, um, in regards to mental health, right? We always talk mm-hmm. about how we are biopsychosocial beings. I like to say, you know, we are biopsychosocial spiritual beings. And mm-hmm. continuing to point, continuing to point to scriptures that totally indicate that I mean it's totally Mm -hmm. in in scripture in in multiple ways but one way that you pull out is how the it is how uh the word says to love God with all your heart your soul and your strength uh Mm -hmm. could you kind of break down how that ties into the mind body soul well-being because that's something that's definitely um encouraged that we do have all of these dynamics that God has given us that are important to take care of, to move through, to recognize. Yeah. Well, you know, we find we live and move and have our being in God. And so what's um, interesting, well, uh, Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so when I teach that, when I teach the differentiation between heart, soul, mind, and strength, heart is the emotional body, soul is the spiritual body, strength is the physical body, and mind is obviously the intellectual body or the mental body. And so um, I believe that we were created in a holistic God. There was no fragmentation before Genesis 3. So you look at Genesis 1 and 2, there's a very um, connected sense, right? We were created in the image of shalom, which is complete peace and tranquility and fullness. Uh, We see in Genesis 3 that there's a disruption, and we see immediately that there's a disruption not just with self, but the relationship with God and the relationship with others, and then ultimately the relationship with ourselves. And so before Genesis 3, we don't we don't get an inclination that we need that there's any division. So we don't need to love the Lord, our God, heart, soul, mind, and strength before the fall because the fraction had not happened. Um, and in Christ and, you know, in New Testament um, believer, the theology is that we're reconciled back to this shalom, even on this side of glory. And so this idea of God being able to intersect our emotional body, our mental body, our physical body, and also our spiritual body is a very real thing. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit can do that. The Word of God can nourish and and heal all the different facets of our being. So uh, when I teach, um, not just not just wholeness or wellness, but we have to embrace the fact that this fragmentation is a very human experience. You know, I remember learning, um, a girlfriend of mine just recently said this to me. She goes, you know, Brooke, there's nothing special about you. And I was like, well, that's not nice because yeah. <laughs> I kind of think I'm special, think, right? Everyone kind of thinks I'm special. Thank you. <laughs> I hear you. Um, what she meant was, yeah. you know, you're unique and you're uh, beautiful and, and there's only ways that you can show up in the world that will, contri- will com- you know, um, will contribute to the world. But nothing that you've been through or feel in terms of your fragmentation is unique or special. That's a human condition. Right. And so I love the fact that when we look at this fragmentation, that we recognize that it's not just a me issue, it's an us issue. And it really does, you know, level the playing field in that way, because there's nothing unique or special about the way that I feel in my brokenness than you feel in your own brokenness. Now, different circumstances, situations, but it comes down to the same basic need. We're separated from shalom and perfection. We're, we, we're, we're born or we're created in the image of perfection. We're going back to perfection. We think we're born into life. We're actually born into death and fragmentation. So it's this constant angst of all of us that we're looking to get back to that. Um, so I guess 
I don't know if that answers the question. No, totally. <laughs> this is great. No, we're just conversating. And okay. I mean, I love it. I love these are the types of conversations that we get to have. And um, I was thinking about, um, gosh, you had just brought something to my mind and now it just slipped me. <laughs> Terms of mental wellness, I think what happens if we if we don't understand that our plight in humanity is one that is not unique to us, we will start to overemphasize our ability to create um, solution. And I think that's a very mental thing. As we go, okay, I can recognize, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna get into my mind. I'm gonna figure out how to fix myself. It's yeah. like no, that's not that's not something that we actually can do. Uh, it's got to be something beyond us that's gonna seam us back together to our wholeness. Yeah. Um, so I think the mental aspect is the thing that, um, at least for me, my own personal thing is I will get in my head and stay up in my head and think that I can fix myself. And no, and if I learn more, then it's even often times more, um, uh, it's more of a struggle to, to do the healing because I think I'm in charge of my own healing. Mm -hmm. So the mental aspect, I mean, as much as I know about it, which obviously you're much more educated than I am. Um, it just, it, it sometimes has me chasing my own tail. If I'm not, if I don't recognize that my, my healing is a holistic endeavor and it's not unique to me, it's a human condition. That's that you just brought that back to my mind. Yeah, it, you know, that verse in Ecclesiastes where it says, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like in man, no a lot of the things that we've been through are very, are very tethered to one another. When you hear a lot of <laughs> our stories, like you said, different nuances as far as experiences, but I love that. I love that so much. And as someone who's also very cerebral, <laughs> as mm -hmm. someone who's also very calculated, um, mm -hmm. and I discovered not too long ago has a lean or a tendency toward being more avoidant dismissive, meaning mm. I'm going to try to avoid dismiss and intellectualize instead of mm -hmm. being, resting, kind of coming from that soul flow of healing um, mm -hmm. in my, in just, in just being, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think that that's, well, a big, I think that's a big I, deal. All of us have a bend, you know, like yeah. you say you're cerebral. Um, we all have a bend and we'll all lean in towards that. And I think it really is this holistic endeavor. Like yeah. healing and well-being um, is really, you know, behavioral health comes from your belief, right? So yes. what you, you're believing um, indicates your behavior. And so, you know, we're just so interconnected that way. And so we all have a bend. We're all going to lean towards oh, I, I feel physical health or I feel spiritual health, you know, that we're all going to have a bend, but it's, it's wise to recognize, um, that every facet, all four of those facets have an equal, um, place at the table, you know, yes. in terms of our healing and our understanding. And that God cares about all of them, you know, because <gasps> so I cares. think that yes. we are, especially as believers, so easy. We just single out one area, which is the soul. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. that's definitely very important. Right. But, but God created all aspects of our being, which means he cares for all of them. He cradles all of the details and complexities and, uh, we should care. <laughs> yeah. Well, how we yeah. feel, I mean, how we, what we think, what we feel emotionally manifests in our body. Yes. Right. And, and people say, oh, Jesus doesn't care about the body. Well, if he didn't care about the body, number one, he wouldn't have made them. Mm -hmm. And number two, he wouldn't have come in one. Yeah. We'd just be floating around. It. You know, we'd just be floating. <laughs> exactly. It matters. The body, yeah. the body matters. I think actually the body in my line of work is the thing that gets dismissed the most. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, we're not supposed to care about ourselves, there's like this dismissive part about our humanity and our car carnality. And it's, 
it's a it's a lie. Like we're we're here for a reason for such a time as this, and we are to take care of the we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the living God. And so the body matters. Um, now it doesn't matter more than the spirit. It doesn't matter more than the mind. It doesn't matter more than the heart, but it does matter. And it matters equally. I love that you're saying this and it really leads me into my next kind of topic conversation uh, question. Okay. So I brought something up to you last week that was just kind of a revelation that's been going on with my within my own life over the past, I want to say, a couple years or so. And that is to pay attention to the messages that my body is sending me. And that has been more complicated than I thought it would be because you're going, going, going. And like I said, I'm very cerebral, you know. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it's not your norm to just stop and pause and listen to your body, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and yet our body mm-hmm. is sending us messages all the time. So the other day I posted something and it got a lot of feedback. And so I was like, huh, there's something here. We should talk about this. Um, and I said, pay attention to the words that hit your body before your mind, right? Because your body is responding whether positive or negative to a reason for a reason Mm -hmm. whether it's something you know very moving right that that hits Mm -hmm. your body and maybe moves you to tears or it's something that's just very upsetting and you feel some type of conviction or your body tensing or tightening about that or you do have this activated fear response, right? Because mm-hmm. we'll get into that later about how trauma stores in the body. But paying attention to the things that hit your body before your mind. Because your body sometimes, I feel like, is processing things before your frontal lobes have a chance to catch up <laughs> to what it's processing. No question. Yes, so when absolutely. I, Yeah. So when I brought that up to you, you were like, yes, this is embodiment. And mm-hmm. I would love for you to describe embodiment or the unification of the body and why this is important to understand in terms of our mental health. Well, you know, when I, I teach a lot on embodied faith, um, and when I'm in a room with people, I will ask people um, by show of hands, who would say, if I would say, uh, what is embodied faith, who by show of hands would have a good, clear definition? And very rarely um, do I get more than maybe one or two percent of the audience that right. would raise their hand. Um, and so my, my follow up question to that is, tell me something that you do not do in your body. Mm. Right. Tell me something that you do not do in your body. And faith, by definition, is just hope for that which we do not yet see. Right. And so there's this um, there's this holistic endeavor, like embodied faith means that I live my belief in my body. There's nothing that we do outside of our bodies. And so that that just by definition is embodied faith. We do nothing outside of our bodies. We don't have any type of experience from the moment we enter the world into the moment we leave it, that's not done in our bodies. And so our bodies store, and I know we're going to talk about trauma in a bit, but our bodies store things. And what's interesting about not um, paying attention to the body is the body will lock in uh, situations and circumstances very, I mean, from a very uh, young age yeah. that that the the message that's received in the body is actually not, it's, it's received in a way that is fairly egocentric because we we experience it at sec- such a young age. And that's not, it's not, children can't not be egocentric. The whole world is around 
them. The whole world revolves around them. And so oftentimes for me, I'll just say for me, um, embodied faith has been the endeavor of looking at what hits my body. Oftentimes what's hitting my body is not even about the moment. It's right. reckon it's it's recalling something that meant something that didn't even really mean the thing, but it's stored in my body as meaning the thing. Does that make sense? That does, so yeah. oftentimes so when I so I've 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 been very diligent these last two years because I've done so much trauma work about my body and my experience and that is what I'm realizing now is oftentimes um when I feel things in my body, I have to take sincere stake like okay is this happening right now or am i bringing you know extra points into the situation from when i was 2 or 4 or 14 or 40 you know mm-hmm. uh, what's what's directly in front of me am i responding to the now and to the moment or am i bringing with me is is now in the moment a 2 on the richter scale but i'm responding at a 10 because I'm bringing eight other points with me right. from somewhere else, right? Like, like what, what's yeah. actually happening right now, right? Um, but what's interesting about it is that oftentimes um, our body responds to fear. So we hold fear. And what I've found is that most people, myself included, call that intuition. So when we have does that make sense to you? So we we go, Oh, I'm, this is intuitive. I remember this, but oftentimes a lot of that trauma or what we're bringing, the extra Mm -hmm. points that we're bringing are rooted in fear, but we can, we confuse it with intuition. So this embodied, this endeavor of embodied faith is to say, okay, I, I have to, re- I have to understand what's hitting my body, but I have to understand that there are en- my spiritual body, my emotional body, and my, um, and my intellectual body are all coming into connection with what I'm feeling in the moment. That's the embodied faith. Cause I, I appreciate when you were, uh, when you were saying, um, you know, I have to pay attention to what my body is feeling and sensing. There's such an importance to that. Yeah. And the next step is to say, what also am I bringing? Is it real? Like, is what I'm feeling in my body real? Because it's the most tangible thing that we can experience is yeah. what's in our body, right? Right. So, so I guess, I don't know, that's probably a little bit more than, that's more of the trauma conversation, I guess. But no, um, I, do, yeah. I do think the body remembers, it keeps score. So oftentimes when we feel something in our body, I would say that we have to make sure that we, that we understand that all the facets of ourselves are actually coming into the moment of our physicality. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. so it's like, I can, I can sense something maybe I'm offended by someone and I'm, I'm lashing out my son, for example. So if my son aggravates me, I'm, I'm lashing, I can feel that in my body and, and I, and I'm, but it also, I, it's coming with a number of different things. It's coming with, you know, a lot of things, not just what's in my body. In, yeah. And what's in the moment. And mm-hmm. I really love that, especially how you're saying sometimes, your body is being activated by fear, right? Or sometimes mm-hmm. it's being activated by uh, insecurity or fear of rejection or what have you upon what somebody might be saying to you. And what, I, what I'll do, because I remember, um, I want to say just a few days ago, you know, somebody said something and it hit mm-hmm. me in a sort of way. And now I've become mm-hmm. more sensitive to my mm-hmm. body, more sensitive to tuning into, okay, why did why did it hit my body that way? Like why did my stomach drop in that way mm-hmm. or my heart quicken you know little mm-hmm. things like that when I heard that mm-hmm. and is it me is it what I'm bringing into it is it those ex- is it those extra points or is what they're saying actually hitting my convictions and I 
don't feel right about what's being said, right? And like yep. sorting the two. So sometimes I will even ask someone to clarify. Like, yeah, hey, when, great. Or, but I'll pause first, you know, and mm-hmm. then say, hey, you mentioned this. I just wanted to clarify what exactly did you mean when you were saying this? I'm just trying to understand better. And sometimes once it's explained, you'll realize what they were saying was not how you were translating it through your the, fear, the through points. your insecurity, through your inje- right. rejection, whatever, fear. Right. All of those things those that are, are the translating. Points. Yeah. Yeah, those are the points. So it's like I walk into a situation and the situation is a two, but it feels like a 10. Right. right? So my adult self will go, oh, this is a two. Like my he's my child is not trying to offend me, but it feels like a 10, right? right. And I would just say about conviction um, with – you know, when it's the Lord's conviction, it's meant to hurt just a little bit to redirect. Yeah. Right. It doesn't hurt to wound. Exactly. It doesn't compunct. It doesn't hit you. Conviction is not about hitting you to hurt you and to immobilize you. It's about hitting you to redirect. That's yeah. it. So it's just a little nudge to redirect. So I would watch in your body how you respond even to the word of God, right? When it convicts you, yes. are we adding points even to that? Because a conviction is meant to just redirect. It's a compunction to redirect you back into the heart of God. But what we do with that is we go, we start to ruminate. Our body starts to remember something that feels that way from a long time ago. And so we start to ruminate and we start to get in this spiral where we're not actually um, you know, coming into a holistic endeavor, we're, we're compartmentalizing even further. Right. Or we like take that and dismiss, avoid, block mm-hmm. instead of leaning in. And I think mm. that's what's hard is the leaning in part. Like, no question. okay, leaning into the conviction or even leaning <sighs> into the wound that was triggered and saying, okay, what what is it that I'm feeling here? What is it that's being triggered? And obviously things like having a, you know, a professional counselor therapist are really helpful to work sure. through those things, you know. Um, everyone's probably level of introspection and in doing the work varies, but we can all do the work. Um, mm-hmm. And that being said, what are the types of messages? We kind of listed some, but what would you say – um, even to summarize, are the types of messages our bodies may be sending us that we should pay more attention to? Mm-hmm. Um, well, like you said, the the stomach thing, I think, you know, your stomach is, well, you know more about this than I do, but I've always said that your stomach is your second brain, right? Yeah. So if you feel something in your gut, um, that that's intuition, right? You go, oh, that feels right to me. So that whole gut check is a real thing right? Um, what I have found in my own endeavor, though, with with healing, and <laughs> you said, um, you said earlier, um, you know, it's good to have therapists and like help. And I, I, I swear, I, I, I've been in counseling, I swear, my whole life, you know, <laughs> like I said, it, I said at some point to my therapist, I'm like, you do not even need a college fund for your children, because I'm going to be paying for it. <laughs> so I'm here all the time. And so I would say um, the body messages, certainly the gut check. What I found for myself, though, is that the gut, especially when you do like your inner child work and your wounded child work and your protective child work, if you ever get into that kind of work, is you realize that that stomach, that gut check is um, can't even really be trusted. So I think the messages from the body, certainly in the gut, the quickening of the heart, um, the I, I, it's not mind for me. I don't think it's I, it's when 
it, it's not going to be in the mind. It's not going to be a thought that it's, it's, I, it's got to be, it's got to transcend that. It's got to go a little bit deeper into the body. So shoulders, jaw, quickened heart, and a gut check. So those four things for me is scan my body all the time. Like what's happening? Right. Where am I holding? Where, what am I feeling? Because it is an auto response to protection. So what's interesting about the gut thing in particular is that it's an old, it, for me at least, it's an, it's, it's origin and those roots of uh, fear are, are a little deeper. And so um, I have mistaken a lot of times my quote unquote intuition um, is actually my fear. Right. And I've given it the name intuition to help me scan for constant danger. And you, I mean, the amygdala holds all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly scanning for danger and we don't want to ever feel the pain that we felt before. So we get this whole protective thing going where we're sca constantly scanning for danger, um, which keeps us in that heightened state of, you know, keeping us away from our fullness and our embodiment really in faith. So um, I think the gut, the shoulders, the heart and the jaw is where I, I find most of my um, resistance in my body. I'm so glad you said the jaw because that for me, that's I think that's one that's really overlooked is when you are someone who has a lot of anxiety or lives mm -hmm. with anxiety or can be very anxious, pay attention throughout the day how you're clenching your body parts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how your jaw might clench up or your muscles and then just try to relax because that's something mm -hmm. else that we do and over time that compiles. But um, yeah, so I love the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty intense, um, but I think yeah. it's one of the best books out there on trauma um, and also a trigger warning on that. Um, but he says in it, you know, he says in the book, this is um, Bessel van der Kolk. Mm -hmm. And I hope I say I said his name right. <laughs> but pretty close. It's good. Yes. <laughs> we have learned that trauma is not just an event that took place sometime in the past. It is also the imprint left by that experience on the mind, brain, and body. This imprint has ongoing consequences for how the human organism manages to survive in the present. So usually trauma, PTSD, is marked by two things, and that's hypervigilance and um and avoidance so we do everything that we can to avoid those feelings avoid those triggers which actually uh can prolong the healing by not well it actually them. creates it it creates it it <laughs> builds on it but then the hyper arousal yeah. part right mm -hmm. um mm. and so uh yeah where our body just just activates and so i would say you know someone who is experiencing that hyper hyper arousal those panic attacks that's something that's probably more severe right mm -hmm, and there mm -hmm. are now treatments for that so I just wanted to throw that out there for anyone mm -hmm. whose body just seems hyperactivated. there are many reasons why we experience dysregulation like you were saying Brooke that can come from childhood traumas or attachment styles or what have you that have mm -hmm. been so chronic that it's now our body's default and so um, yeah. do you, do you do any work it, with that Brooke, by the way? I, well, yes, yeah. I do. and I'm in my own work with that right now. And it's, it's that whole, um, thing of when Paul says, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, I, I have the tools. I have the mental stability. I'm a smart human being. Uh, you know, I, yeah. you, you go through the list of like, I've 
gotten all the, the counselors told me what to do. I'm deploying it in my life. Why is the thing not changing? And to your point, there's a, an imprint of that missing the mark. There's an imprint of that um, trauma. There's an imprint of that hurt that is well beyond your mind. It is, it is an embodied experience. And the, and the faith in the body, the embodied faith is the only thing. We have to receive the power of the breath, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God that has the power to transform those places between bone and marrow in order to reconnect so that we're not living out of that 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 yeah. trauma. Why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? I know better. I I I I do better and and still yet I'm bringing points in from, you know, it's a 10 when it's really a 2. So what is that? And I believe that that is you know, I believe in the word of God. I believe in the power. I believe in the resonance. I believe that the same word, uh the same breath that spoke everything into existence in Genesis one and holds everything together is the same thing that we find in our Bibles. It's this, it has the same power to create life and recreate life. So we need those things to be bathing these cellular non, um, you know, things that we can't see, but that is only spiritually, um, spiritually, you know, satiated through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, because we cannot, we can only do what we've always done until we get an endowment of the thing that can actually heal us. And so that's why this embodied faith, this dependency on the breath and this dependency on the word of God is so paramount to true, at least my, in my opinion, true resurrection. And I would say also that the gospel is incomplete without resurrection. And we get to embody the gospel, the resurrected Christ on the side of glory. So the trauma that we live with, we can't just get at with our mind. We can't compartmentalize. It's a holistic endeavor. Yes. When we look yeah. at healing, we have to know that the, the very thing that created us is the only thing that can sustain us and heal us. And it's this, it's the, the breath of God and the word of God that can, can do the good work of reconciliation on a cellular level, you know, in, in things and places that we've never seen or we can't access with our human mind, God can do with his breath and his word. So I think that there's a real dependency in this body, embodied faith endeavor is a real dependency on breath and a real dependency on the word. Preach. I love this so Preach. much. And like... <laughs> Oh my gosh. And like going into that, just sometimes the prayer is, and it is, it is kind of the scariest prayer where it's just like, God, show me myself. Like show, oh, me, show me, me the wound. Show me me. Woo, yeah, floodgates, right? Like he will show <laughs> you. It's the bravest prayer. It's the bravest me, me. prayer because yeah. it's, we try to block those things out. We don't want it. We naturally do not want to relive things. And that's also, mm-hmm. I think the thing about just, therapy that can be so intimidating and doing the work that can be intimidating we just want to move past it we just want to have I just I just want to move past it and you know to live happy and keep re- and recreate this life you know outrunning mm-hmm. all the things that I went through you know we're yeah. just outrunning the yeah. past You're running instead of so run- instead of running instead of leaning into it and going through and you know what I mean and dealing with it and so um so I, I can love I just say you... something about that running thing for yes. just a moment, if you yes. don't mind. So the other day, um, I'd been in a season about two years ago. We had um, a fairly big kerfuffle in uh, I love Holyoga. that kerfuffle. Did you kerfuffle, say kerfuffle? Right? A kerfuffle. I mean, how do you spell that? Why not? 
I don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. Um, I've never written it. I only say it. Anyway, so we had this um, kind of a big blow up in holy yoga and I, I just retracted. It was so painful for me yeah. that I was... Um, I just completely retracted and recently, and then, you know, over the last year, it's, you know, holy yoga has gone through some, some changes and it's not going as well as it once was. And I'm just talking to the Lord about it. And I, I've been like running away from it. Like I want separation. I don't want to do anything with holy yoga anymore. Like I, it was just too painful. The trauma was too painful. Um, and so I'm talking to the Lord, like maybe even a week ago. And I was, um, I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm just done with it. And he's like, Hey baby, you're running, but you're not released. Mm, you're running, but you're not released. Not released. Wow. Yeah. And I think that sometimes even in our trauma work, we're running, we want to be healed so much, but we've not been released yet. So sometimes it's, it's really like the, 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 the visual, right. It's like you're strapped to a bungee cord and you just keep running and he's like, it's fixed. Mm. We're not done yet. We're not, I actually need you to come back here and just sit right here for a moment. And that can be really, really, really scary. It's the show me me, right? I don't want to see me. I already know me. I already know what I believe about me in this situation. And that's why I'm running, right? And he goes, but I want to show you what I believe about you. I want to show you, you inside of me here. Because you know you here, but I want you to know me here. And so oftentimes we're doing the running, but we're not released. We need to go back. We need to sit. We need to endeavor. We need to hear. We need to receive compassion and parenting and kindness, right? We're running because we think we're so hard on ourselves. We don't want to sit down in that. We know what we think about ourselves. But God goes, I need you to come here and sit right here with me because I want to show you what I think about. And what he thinks about it is compassion and kindness and reconciliation. All the things that the fruit of the spirit is, right? Joy and peace and patience and all those things. Kindness, gentleness. But we don't, we're we're so used to our trauma, our marker being painful and and one to avoid. God goes, hey, listen, you're running, but you're not released. And I think until we do that work of release, to your point of sitting down in it, then then that that's the those that's where you find the answers of why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do right the, and then then you get healed you get the Lord puts into those deep wounds a salve I love in um, Isaiah sixty one and he says I bind up the broken heart that binding it's the picture the word picture is a cracked pot and when he puts the pot back together he binds it from the inside not the outside. Mm. He doesn't put the binding on the outside because that would somehow, it wouldn't, the value of the vase would go down, right? So he goes inside and he, he takes the binding, he takes the salve and he does the inside of the pot so that that salve fills in all the crevices from the inside out. And so that's what God does in this place of like, hey, listen, let me get at your heart, soul, mind and strength. Let me put the salve that's going to bring all of those four facets back together. That is so beautiful. So everyone um, who's listening wanna, can rewind sorry. and listen to that five more times because I know I will. <laughs> I love oh, that. You're awesome. 
I was thinking also just one other thing for my parents out there, right? Like for um, parenting is so, for me, I have three children. I have a 19, 16, and a 13-year-old, two boys and a girl. And all children are different. So if you're if, if you're a new mom and you're thinking your kids are going to be the same, I have news. You're going you're gonna to get used to the first one. And then the second one will come and you're like, oh my God, it's a whole new thing, right? So don't ever <laughs> think that that's, you're going to avoid that. But what's interesting about trauma, um, especially with multiple children, is they all bring out different things in you. And and as and when I, I know for me as my role as a mother, I will take on my children's trauma as though it's mine. I will take on as a business owner, I will take on the trauma of the organization, what's happened in the organization as my own. So we have to be very, very careful that we're not we're not we're not taking on other people's trauma as our own, that we're able, no matter what the role is, wife, friend, mentor, spiritual director, whatever the parent, whatever the role is, we've got to understand that everyone comes with their own trauma and that we're not to take on. So I have a 19 year old and 19 year olds are 19 year olds, right? And so you go, oh, wow, he's really going through things. Now he would like to make it about me, right? Sometimes people do that. They make their trauma about other people, but we have to have an understanding of our own um, autonomy in that because my 19-year-old has the trauma that my 19-year-old has, and it's not mine. So we have to also make sure that in our roles that we're not taking on other people's trauma as our own because that's not fair to ourselves. And it's also, it's a human condition. Remember, it's a level playing field. Everyone experiences this. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. 
And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. You're taught, you're Mm -hmm. speaking emotional boundaries and you're speaking my language because those (laughs) are the hardest boundaries, I feel like. Physical Uh, boundaries... We, are, we can draw, right? It's tangible, mm-hmm. it's concrete, but emotional and spiritual boundaries, those are the hardest to recognize. So taking mm-hmm. a step back when somebody is offloading or whatnot and just being able to say, hmm, that's interesting that you feel this way, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of allowing that separation that they are a separate individual, you are a separate individual, and so therefore we can be there, right? Um, they're like in bound, the Boundaries book by Henry Cloud and John Townsend saying we are responsible to people, but we are not responsible for people. That's and that's right. the difference, you know. Yes, that's we are right. responsible to respond, to care, to empathize, to walk with others, but we are not responsible for them, for carrying them, especially, you know, full-blown adults. <laughs> um, yeah, that's you know, right. Who are fully capable. That's right. Um, and so thank you so much for for sharing that. Uh, there was mm-hmm. so much you said, and I, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to sit back. I'm not going to dip in because Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> earlier, you talked about embodied faith and embodying the word and how that is so important to have that holistic healing, mind, body, spirit, soul, healing, right? Um, For someone like me who's like a super how person, right? Like I hear abstract things. I'm like, okay, but how how does that work, right? (laughs) For someone who's hearing Mm -hmm. it and they're like, okay, embodied faith, the spirit of the word can heal me. Like how do I do that? Do you have any Mm -hmm. quick kind of practical tips of what that healing looks like practically like what are the practical because spiritual disciplines you know um Mm -hmm. of allowing that to take root in someone's life that wants to just begin that process of healing holistically Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think the spiritual disciplines are incredibly important number one being rest I think yeah. that's the one that we all forget about first. And it's so incredibly paramount if you look at creation all the way through, right? Rest, rest, rest. So I think rest is going to be paramount. Sitting down and not doing, but being um, is going to be, I mean, just start with that, right? 30 seconds of just sitting and not doing anything. Like that's hard for me. It's probably pretty hard for you. Oh, yeah. So I would say that um, prayer and meditation, I think are the most important things. Prayer is talking to God. Meditation is hearing God. So those are two different endeavors, both equally important. But I think for us, um, in terms of a practical application to receive like that kind of healing, it's going to be in the meditation. Now, I know when you, when you say that people immediately go, I don't, I can't meditate. <clears throat> I can't, I can't, I, I, I just don't know. I try, I've tried it. I've tried it and I fall asleep and I, it's like, no, it's 30 seconds. Can we do 30 Mm -hmm. seconds? Mm -hmm. Can we take three deep breaths standing in one place with our eyes closed? That's it. Patient. 
right? That, that it's, it's a, it, it's a slow on-ramp, you know, meditation grows because you get familiar with it. You flex a muscle in meditation, you flex the art of rest in that moment. And so I think meditation can start with an easy on-ramp of like, okay, I'm just going to feel my body right now. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. I'm going to feel my feet. I'm going to feel my body. That is meditation in terms of like a a practical on-ramp. So um, I would I would say that that is probably the most important thing that I would encourage people to do. May, and then and then if you do it one time uh, a day, and then maybe the next day you do it twice. I mean it's a it's a one minute endeavor at that point. Like you can do one minute of this, right? And then it just constantly grows. And what you're going to find in those moments is that the breath um, will satiate the fear and the anxiety, you'll start to become dependent on the truth that there's an opportunity to be interrupted in the middle of your thing, right? In the middle of it, that the breath can, can give you a little bit of distance. It can give you a little bit of patience. It can give you a little bit of softening in the moment. So you're going to get addicted to that and you're going to, you're going to start to feel and sense into that embodiment. And I, I've always experienced people liking it. Like nobody doesn't like feeling connected to themselves. And so as we start to trust that process, I think that's the easiest way to start with a meditation process or um, practice. I'm so Um, glad you said that. Oh, sorry. One more time. One more thing though. And I would also say that what is, what you're declaring with your lips is, um, is perhaps the most important discipline. Uh, You know, Jesus says that you can have anything you say. Right. He says, you can say to this mountain, move and it will move in faith. Right. You can have anything you say. And then he goes on to say, but the problem is you're only saying what you have. So, for example, I have anxiety. I have cancer. I have a problem with my spouse. I have a problem with myself. I have. So you're declaring with your mouth all the things that you have instead of all the things that you want right? And so I would say that we have to be very careful with what we're speaking, what we're putting out there and what we, um, that's faith, right? Is like, what are we, what are we anticipating with our words? Cause that's, yeah. I think the most important discipline is to real recognize what's rolling off of your mouth. You can have anything you say, Jesus says in faith, you can have anything you say. The problem is we keep declaring what is instead of what could be. Right. And in and like you're saying, even that self-talk of even the things that you're saying to yourself in your head. And no I question. get it. Like, it's just so natural to be in a yes. cycle and to declare your reality, right? Because it is real. Yes. It is what's happening. No you know, question. But also just keeping and holding on to the vision of, like you said, the truth of who God says you are and where you where you're going. You know, I do that all the time. Like... I already am who I'm called to be. It's just a matter of the evolution of getting there. You know? Yes. I mean, that's true. I often, and, and I would say too with healing Along the that way. your body, yeah. your body is the last thing to catch up. So sometimes when things come up, people go, oh, I'm, you know, I have this, I'm, I'm sick and I don't know what's going on. I've got this headache. And I always say, hey, listen, this is a manifestation of your healing that's already happened. So your soul has already been filled in the cells that have oriented to the gaping wound in your soul. It's already been filled in. So now your cellular being, your experience, your physical, your carnal experience is now wrapping around your 
you know, your spiritual experience. So you are, if God says you're healed, you're healed, right? And then the rest of it is getting in line, your body, your soul, all of that is going to orient to the truth of who God says he is and who God in turn says you are. So if you're healed, your body needs a time to catch up, right? So right. yes, my, yes, my body is hurting today, but it's actually because I'm releasing. It's actually because I'm already healed and now my body's getting on board with the healing that's already happened. I would also say too, we orient, you were saying earlier about um, the truth of who God is. It's like, that's why we have to have God's perspective on us because what we have experienced in our lives is true. Those experiences, like you said, like I'm having a hard time. Those are true experiences of my life, but those are little T's. Those are what I call little T truths. They're true of your experience, but they're not true of your identity, right? So if we orient our identity to our experience, well, we live in a fallen world. It's broken and incomplete and will never be reconciled. So if we orient our truth, big T truth, to our experiences, it's it's a futile endeavor. So we've got to understand that there's a truth about who we are that supersedes the truth of our experience. I love that so much. And just holding on to that perspective, right? Um, We -hmm. live by not what we can see, but faith is having the hope and assurance in what we can't see, right? That's right. And I I think it's so important to hold on to that truth. And that, again, doesn't mean that we're discounting what's actually happening, right? Correct. We're not discounting that we – it's a struggle and we are really feeling these symptoms and they matter. That's right. Right? We're not like bypassing, but it's – it's yes and as we were talking yes. about in my last in my last podcast uh, with Dr. Allison Cook, life is yes and it's okay. I am yeah. experiencing these things, and also this is the truth of my identity. That's you know? right. And so I really yes. love that. And um, going back to mindfulness and meditation because I think this is super important, and I really wanted to bring this up because for a lot of maybe some who are listening or um, just a number of people out there, I think that there's a lot of misconception around mindfulness and meditation, um, especially as believers. Um, when many think of meditation, uh, many solely associate it with you know ancient Eastern practices that have gone mainstream in our Western culture. However, I want to make it clear that there is a clear biblical case for meditation and it doesn't belong to one like worldview it's a practice like it's a spiritual discipline discipline. it's a spiritual Mm -hmm. discipline and it's mentioned so many times throughout scripture um and the root of the word meditation in its original hebrew context really falls under the acts of musing pondering speaking declaring uttering to imagine to put forth it's the intentional inward dialogue of our thoughts and the outward declaration of our heart's stance toward God. And it all mm. comes down to being centered on God's truth. It's letting the spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes, right? That's Ephesians 4.23. And it's mm-hmm. letting his word be an, anch- being an anchor to our anxious mm-hmm. hearts. So right. just highlighting that. This is a practice. It's a spiritual discipline. Um, it's not mm-hmm. a religion. Meditation is not a religion. It's a practice. Um, yes. And it's and the scripture lays out so many times, you know, in um, 
Joshua 1.8, God instructs him to, you know, keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night. Psalm 1.2, we're told that blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law day and night, speaking of God's word. And in Psalms 104.34, the psalmist expressed, may my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice for the Lord. And so just re-highlighting everything you were saying about the importance of sitting down with your soul and pausing Mm -hmm. and meditating Uh on Uh where your thoughts are, checking in with where they Uh are and allowing them to renew. Um, I kind of see it like a dirty cistern, right? We've got all this gunk in our soul and in our mind kind of residue from the day or from those extra points we add in, the trauma, the fears, the rejections, whatever. And whether it's listening to worship or praying or the reading of the word, you know, it's kind of like that's the living water that's flowing into that cistern and until it's overflowing and kind of pushing out that residue and like mm-hmm. letting ourselves be refilled in that way, you know, no question. regularly. It's so good. And yeah, so, so good. And how I, would you I, define biblical meditation? Like when you speak well, of just, meditation and mindfulness. Well, you did a great job with that. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and it's also let the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, right? right? So there's a meditation of the mind, but there's also this meditation of the heart. So the word heart in Hebrew is leb, <clears throat> and it's it, it has everything to do with your inclinations, your history, your past, all the things that you're bringing to, all the anxieties that you're bringing from your emotional body and your intellectual body into the presence of God. Right. So mm. there's this meditation that's not just of the mind, right. but it's also of the heart. It's the thing that examines the spirit of God examines those things that we call true back to the big T, little T that we were just talking about. Right. So meditation is not just for the mind. It's actually for the heart and for the soul. I loved when you brought up Joshua one, because he's saying, <clears throat> be strong and very courageous as you take your promised land. Right. But what's the instruction? What do you take with you into the promised land where you need to be strong and courageous? A meditative a meditative practice on the word of God. Do not let it depart from your lips, right? Because it's that important. You have to be bathing in that spiritual discipline of meditation in order to take the promised land. What's fascinating about the charge uh, to the Israelites coming out of the wilderness and into the promise, one would think, whew, man, and the wilderness was tough. The promised land is going to be a little easier, but that's not the charge. In Joshua 1, he says eight times, be strong and courageous. You need strength and courage and meditation and a dependency on the word of God and the breath of God in order to enter to the promise so that you can be strong and courageous. You know, promised land is not without its challenges. And so every time the Lord is asking us to cross over from the wilderness to the promise, which is constant and chronic, which is amazing, uh, he's bringing us from glory to glory. He says, do not let this depart from your lips. Do not let this depart from your mind and from your heart, because this is what you need, this deep dependency on being steeped in the reality of God and the reality of his word, heart, soul, mind, and strength in order that you're able to navigate the promise. Right. And whatever the promise is that season. So, yeah, uh, meditation, I think, is the is, you know, in conjunction with rest is going to be the most um, powerful spiritual discipline as we navigate what God has for us this side of glory. That's amazing. Uh, Oh, man. So this is why our conversations go on forever. Uh, (laughs) And I know that we could talk, we could unpack so many areas 
for hours, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to respect people's time. <laughs> mm, thank you. Um, yeah. So final question, okay. what is one lesson you believe God is teaching you in this season of your life? Mm. You're like, just mm. one? I know. <laughs> well, I think the running and not released, I think is a big one for me. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think that's a big one. And then I also think, um, that I'm not alone. Mm. I've lived most of my life. I'm a, I'm an only child, a divorced, um, family. My mom married four times my dad or three times my dad married four times, you know, it's just a kind of a cluster. So I grew up feeling very alone. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of my default and recognizing, and you know, not rec and not recognizing for the first time that I'm not actually physically alone, but I'm actually allowing people to join me. Yeah. And, um, so I think that's the, the lesson is that I'm, um, be strong and very courageous, Brooke, um, and let people in. And yeah. I think that, that, and to embrace the fact that I'm not alone, that I'm truly loved and right. loved not for what I can bring, but for just simply who I am. So that's the, that's probably the biggest lesson right now. Mm, I relate to that so much. Um, mm. for a lot of us, I, oh, think, I know you have, <laughs> I know, you know, that I know oh, that you I know, know you that do, I have, girl. that we've been there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we tend to, um, have an avoidant dismissive attachment style when we've been through that, uh, a lot of those, um, nuances in childhood of that kind of that instability and feeling alone where we just learn to dismiss and become self-sufficient and very independent. And so, um, allowing how we orient ourselves to let other people in is probably one of the biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's an, we're going to have another conversation on attachment styles and how Um, those carryover effects. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that you have going on that's coming up, that's out? Um, Anything you want to plug? I think we're going to do... We're going to do something together in September, oh, yes. so I'm excited about that, the oh, whole yes. yoga experience. We're going to do a panel on um, wellness and um, certainly mental wellness and just how to live a really full and robust life in the mm. midst of chaos. So that's coming up in September, so I'm excited about that. Um, but until then, I'm finishing my third book and just kind of plugging along and um, doing the thing. So you can Woo-woo. you can find us, you know, brookmoon.com or yoga and connect got a lot going on i love this i love everything you're doing and i cannot wait um and so happy to be walking and doing life with you and cheering each other along along the way um even if it's sending a quick voice memo in the morning on my drive you know i don't think our voice memos have ever been quick sister (laughs) (laughs) they're like five minute voice memos so i don't know i don't know about quick but keep them coming i love them gets me through my day it's just been an honor love what you're doing and honor to be here so thank you for having me All right, guys, be sure to check her out. We're going to plug all of her information in the show notes below. And thanks for spending your time with us on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast.